0: Hey, Book Circle Online, all you cutie bookworms out there. My name is Lauren LaGrasso, and I am here with an incredible woman today. She is an entrepreneur, public speaker, and best-selling author. Her name is Heather Monahan. She wrote this incredible book, Confidence Creator. We're going to really get in-depth with it. You're going to love it. She's going to teach you some actionable tips on how you can become more confident today. Stay tuned. This is Book Circle Online. Featuring in-depth discussion, insight, news, and commentary on all the world's leading book titles and their authors. And now, Book Circle Online. Yes. Christina in the house as well. We've got Christina Aguilar. But more importantly, I am here with author extraordinaire, best-selling author, number one I saw, best-selling author, Heather Monahan, And she is here today to talk about her book, Confidence Creator. Heather, thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. I appreciate it. Oh, my gosh. It's my pleasure. Um, I heard you on Maria's show, and my friend Ashley Daniels had referred you to Book Circle and to After Buzz as this incredible force. So when we heard how much great takeaway you brought the audience, we had to share it with one of Maria's networks. Let's do it. We're going to do it. So, I wanted to start out because we're going to get in depth into the book, but
1: I wanted to hear a little bit first about your background and kind of what led you down this path to write. Sure. So, I grew up poor. My mother was a single mother with four kids, and she worked three jobs. My mom worked tirelessly to really make ends meet. And, you know, we were on food stamps at certain points in our life, and it was really hard as a young kid. I didn't know that at the time. I thought that was life, right? Right. You only know what your limited viewpoint is. So for me, I thought there were all these beautiful, confident, wealthy people in the world that were succeeding. And then there was me. And this was my lane. And this is where and who I'm supposed to be. So one thing that I learned during that time was I don't ever want to struggle financially again because it was so hard. So I remember that and I took that throughout, you know, paper routes, waiting tables, bartending, I always worked. And getting into sales when I graduated school, I just outworked everybody. And I became the top seller at my first job. And then I left that company and I went to another one and I became the top seller there. And you started in wine, right? I did. Which is so cool. And then you moved on to radio sales. Then I went to radio. And how long were you in that particular field for? I was in the wine business for about a year and a half. And I was sexually harassed in that job. So I ended up leaving because... I didn't have confidence at that point, and I couldn't stand up and say, this is wrong, what's happening, and I need help. I just said, I'm leaving, and I'm going to go get another job. And I went and immediately met this great guy that hired me, and I did really well within radio. And within a year there working for him, he gave me the opportunity for an equity partnership in my you know, very early 20s. And I was able to create a lot of value for the company and for myself at a very young age. And from there, I went to a publicly traded radio company. And from there, I pitched myself for VP of sales that had had never been created before, and then executive vice president of the company, and then ultimately chief revenue officer over a 14-year span with a lot of success. And at the end of all this run, the CEO I had worked for had gotten ill, and his daughter took over, and right then and there, she fired me um, and said she was getting rid of my position. And that was after 14 years at that company, right?
0: Yes. So there was a lot to unpack there. Really great stuff, and what an incredible trajectory. The first thing I wanted to talk about was how you got over – Thinking that, like, okay, well, like, w- we don't have a lot of money. So, like, that's how I'll be when I'm older. Like, how did you get out of, I want to say, like, a poverty mindset
1: and get into a mindset of abundance? Oh, my gosh. That took a long, long time. And it's and to this day is still a struggle. Right. But what I did do was I was just – I thought to myself, how can I never struggle like this financially if I outwork everyone? That was all the assets and tools I had to pull on. Then I'll work harder than anyone, I'll win. And that was my mindset and my drive. And I will say, it's funny, sometimes I meet people, you know, today and they'll say, wow, you are the most driven person. And that, I guess, probably stems from where I came from. For example, when I put the book out, I didn't put the book out to sell a copy. And some people do that and there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I had expectations that others told me, that's not realistic and you're going to fail and you can never achieve it. And I said, that's fine for you to think, but this is what I'm going to focus on and go after. And I've just always been very committed to driving against my goals and not letting anything get in the way of them. But that doesn't mean I had confidence at that time. right? And then the other thing is, okay,
0: so you have worked in sales your whole life. I mean, since you're 22, right? Mm-hmm. And then this bomb is dropped on you, really for no reason. I mean, it's this woman, from what it sounds like in the book, and I have no prior information, but it, it sounds like she just came in, wanted to make changes, and decided that your position was eliminated because she felt like it. That's, what it. that's what it sounds like. So, like, how do you, how did you restart after that? and get the courage to move on
1: and do something completely different. That was the biggest test of my confidence in my entire career. And I've been tested so many times, as I outline in the book, but this was really the ultimate one. And in that moment, and the first twenty four hours, forget it. I literally drank Chardonnay and laid under a weighted blanket and cried. My weighted blankets
0: are so good. Amazing tip: if you have anxiety or you're so sad, like if you just wear a weighted blanket, it totally calms you down
1: please continue. Agreed. So, <laughs> that and Chardonnay. Yeah. So, and, and I, I just cried and I felt everything had been taken away from me. For 14 years, this was my identity and I had built a team and everything had been stripped from me. So, I went through that first, you know, day or two and then I started saying to my fiance and my son, "Okay, we're creating a no negativity zone." And I started realizing there's certain things I just I instinctively know to do. But it's because I've learned these things from all these other challenges I had. So I started writing them down. Right away, I said, no negativity. If you're having a bad day, I'm sorry. But right now, you can't lean on me. We're in like a, you know, code red alert right now. So what we're going to do is remain positive and supportive for mom." When you come into the house, and that's what I need. If you can't, you know, we'll figure it out. But we are not going down the, oh, poor mom, everything's awful and mom got fired road. We are going to be supportive and talk about positive things. So that was a first step. The second thing I did was I said, you know what? No one knows I got fired. How's, how can anyone help me? or come to my aid if I don't let people know. So I I did something very bold, and I took to social media, and I created a post that basically said, after 14 years, I have been told my position's eliminated. And it's really hard, and I'm struggling, and I'd love your support. And if I ever impacted you in any way, I would love to hear from you. And I li- that post reached 100,000 people because people resonated with it, the authenticity and the realness of it so much. And I got so much support in that time. And people came to me and said, I want to help you. And I learned in that moment, ask for one specific thing. Don't just say, oh, great, thank you. Because then people go on with their lives. But if you say, can you introduce me to so-and-so? Or could you write a recommendation on my LinkedIn wall? Whatever it may be, that can really help you take that next step, which keeps that ball going. Wow. So... Were you at any point
0: not going to tell anyone what was going on with you? Did that ever cross your mind that you were going to like try to keep it a secret? Because one thing I really love, and I want to go into each part specifically, because Heather's book has seven main sections, and in that there are several chapters. But one part of your book that really struck me was um, making shame, like bringing shame to the forefront, embracing shame, because then it doesn't have that power over you. So was
1: that something that you were thinking of actively when you – put that post out there no no I was thinking more of this analogy picture if you were getting divorced and no one knew you were single and no one's asking you out that was the thing that I thought to myself well if I had just gotten divorced which I've been divorced and I wasn't telling anyone I was single then I'd still be sitting on my couch alone instead of being engaged to a great guy so I need to tell people I'm single I'm available oh. for work. And that was the the thought process I had was, wow, if no one knows, no one can help me. No one can hire me. No one can give me an opportunity. I got to you know, make this happen now. Wow. And you did talk about that in the book and some really powerful things came out of that. A
0: lot of people reached out. It opened up some doors. Sure. So so many great things happen when you do tell people what's going on and ask for what you need. Yes. So I want to get into the book because there's so much there. Um, The first section is called confidence. So you talk a lot about something called your superpower. Can you explain what that
1: is and how you can go about discovering what yours are? So everyone has a superpower, and I didn't know I had one when I was younger. And I think a lot of people don't know that they have one because I've specifically seen this and had this conversation with people. They think, oh, nothing's that special about me or I'm just regular Joe or whatever, And I had won an award, and they told me, come in and talk about your unique value proposition, which is essentially your superpower. What's different, unique about you? What makes you you? And where was this in your trajectory? this was i had won florida diversity diversity council award for women that break the glass ceiling wow. and had gotten promoted to a high level in business while elevating others so this is probably you know 6 years ago so it's a little while ago and i decided well i don't know what mine is i'm going to ask people in my circle so i asked 5 people at work 5 people in my personal life you know i sent out a bunch of emails the same email to everyone. Hey, need your help. Wondering, what is unique or different about me that makes me me? Do you have any idea? I'm trying to figure it out. And I got back the most amazing, overwhelming responses. Because when you ask those that care about you what's special and different about you, they are going to give it to you in the most beautiful way you can imagine. And that in and of itself was such an uplifting and confidence-building moment for me that it really helped me to identify why I am different than everybody else. I just thought I worked so hard, that's why I was good. And I started to fine-tune and decide there are a lot of things about me that are unique and I need to start spending more time there. The more time I would spend in my superpower, the stronger and more confident I would feel, right? So if you're not an accountant, and I'm not, and I have to spend time in (laughs) accounting, well, then your confidence diminished, right? Because we're not great at that. So when you spend time doing things you're not great at that don't come natural to you, it's hard, and you don't build confidence, However, if you spend time doing things that you feel really good and you're more of a natural in and you can grow and develop and feel strong, you're building confidence. So learning where my areas were where I felt more powerful and more confident and then choosing to spend more time there really started shifting things for me. And I call that, you know, stepping into your superpower.
0: And one other thing you talked about is remembering who you are. So – Which is beautiful and incredible and I think that has to do with like really looking in the mirror and seeing all your goodness and the things that you're still struggling with but like owning where you are today. Um, But sometimes it's really hard to do that when you don't feel good about yourself. Like how can you take that first step to finding your superpowers,
1: to getting confidence when you're feeling low? So that's the best time to do it because we've got only one place to go and that's up. Right. So I call it finding your baseline. And it I, I liken that to if you're gonna go on a diet And you have a goal in mind. I don't know if it's an image or a bikini or a bathing. I don't know what it is. But you have got that image you want to get to. And you set out a plan the same way I do in my book with building confidence. So you have to step on that confidence scale the first day. And we need to be real with each other and say, where is this? Because so many people are fake about it or not thoughtful about it. And when you say, yeah, I'm really confident at work. I I feel great. But... You haven't been dating anyone more than one date for seven years. You're not that confident in your relationship. Like, let's get real about it. Whatever it is, let's right. get real and really put yourself on that confidence scale and write it down. Do you, like, put a number down when you're doing this or how do you go about it? I, You know what? I did not do that, but I think whatever works for someone, if the number is going to help you really visualize where you are and then where you want to get to, that's the whole point because it's all about the process of getting you from A to Z and those steps, those small steps you're going to take and tracking that progress and celebrating those wins. All of those things help you to build your confidence and really can make it happen in a very short amount of time. So you also go through 10 ways to feel more confident
0: starting now. Uh, Those are some great things you just said, but is there one other tip you have? Like if somebody's listening right now that they can do To start their road to confidence.
1: The strongest, biggest, most impactful thing that I believe anyone can do is to fire negative people out of your life. Mm. When you do that, you literally set yourself up to take off. And you feel so empowered, so strong, and you create space to bring positive people in. And having a team of supporters that stretch you, that support you, that love you and are there for you versus someone who treats you poorly, speaks to you poorly, ignores you. You know, there's so many passive aggressive ways to treat people badly. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Whoever that person is in your life. And and I've got to say, take a hard look because sometimes I call them sneaky villains. There's a friend out there that always talks about how she's perfect and it's too bad you're not well, that's a sneaky villain. That's not an ally. And it's all about figuring out who are the people you need to fire and who do you need to hire and bring in. And when you make those good choices, watch out, world. Your confidence is going to take off. So what happens when you can't fire someone? What if
0: it's like your sister or your boss? How do you deal with that kind of person when you have to
1: be around them? So those are two different situations. If it's your boss, What you do is you take action today and you put a new resume together and you update your LinkedIn profile and you start reaching out and making contacts because you're going to get yourself out of that situation. And as long as you're taking steps to make that happen, you will be building confidence. You only chip away at your confidence if you sit there and Mm. complain about your boss and do nothing. Then you really take yourself down a notch. Now, if it's your sister – That's someone we really can't fire. So instead, we're going to create boundaries with that person. And that starts with having a conversation and asking for what you want, what you need, and being calm without emotion and then following up on that and not just forgetting about it but showing up for yourself and saying, we had a discussion and you weren't going to speak to me like that any longer. I told you this is a problem for me and this isn't going to work moving forward. How are you going to change this? And really putting that problem on that other Mm. person to fix and staying true to you so that you feel good. Because then in that moment, regardless of what she does, you just built confidence for yourself.
0: Wow. I love the asking them a question. How are you going to change this? Now. What I know we're going into a lot of what-ifs, and this is getting a little personal for me, so just truth be told. But, like, let's say you're talking to that person, and you say, and how are you going to change this? And then they turn it back on you. At that point, do you just walk away?
1: What would they say back to you?
0: What do you mean, how am I going to change this? You're, you're
1: like, you're the one that's always twisting things around. Like, they spin the story back on you. Okay. Even so I go back to being calm, without emotion, and stick to the facts, Because facts don't lie. So you could say, and I'm making it up, but, you know, whoever you are, uh, I hear what you're saying. However, the facts that we discussed when I originated this conversation were around. When you speak to me with disparaging comments, it hurts me. And I cannot allow that to happen any longer. You did Yet again, you did use disparaging comments. I'm asking you, how are you going to fix this? Because this is not going to work any longer. The model doesn't work. It's broken. And we've got to change it. What are you going to do to change it? And when you stay calm and just focus on those facts, there's not a lot of r- people that want to get things spinning around. They want it to be emotional and mm-hmm. they don't want to talk about facts and they don't want you to be calm but the and practice, I would tell anyone and everyone, and I do this myself, when I had a boss that ended up terminating me and she couldn't stand me, she would ignore me in meetings. And that was her passive aggressive way of letting me know she wanted to diminish my confidence and build hers up. So after a while, I practice at my house, I practice in my mirror. I talked to myself when I was alone about times I have been challenged and how I've overcome them so I could celebrate my wins and feel more confident. And I went in that next meeting and I put my best color suit on so that I felt powerful and good and I put extra time into getting ready. You know, like I really wanted to prep myself to be the best version of me possible. And I sat in there smiling and when she walked in and did what she always did, say hello to everyone at the round table but me, I would say hi, did you see me? I'm over here. Good to see you. I think you missed me. And in that moment, I saw her face. Her confidence was diminished and mine kicked up a notch. And I thought, no longer will I sit and just put my head down because someone is trying to disrespect me. I will speak up for myself in a nice, positive way and move forward. I love that. Yeah, you got to
0: You got to stand up for yourself. And if somebody's not seeing you, literally make them see you. That's wonderful. So part two is perception. I love the part where you talk about in the book where you talk about your son and how he was just like this lovely, beautiful, perfect little baby. And then you thought about the way you were talking to yourself and you were beating yourself up verbally in a way that you would not only never talk to your son like but never talk to another human being like right so you started talking to yourself the way you talk to your son how do you start that journey to positive self-talk and like how do you keep it going in times when you slip
1: so practice is always the key always think about liken this to the gym because i think so many people know if you work out every day in 30, 60, 90 days, you're going to be stronger, right? We know that. Right. It's just This facts. is no different. So it's just hard work. Showing up for the gym every day is hard. Eating healthy is hard sometimes. Developing and choosing to create confidence is not easy. It's a discipline, but I will promise you this. Over time, it will become You won't even think about it. It's like changing lanes when you're on the highway. We don't think about it anymore. We've done it so many times. Now, for me, I'm changing lanes. I don't think about if I'm building confidence. I know I am. It's become second nature. This takes time, it takes effort. But by practice and writing down the words that you would like to say to yourself, that's how I started. I put a list together of instead of saying to me, Oh gosh, you did this again. You blew it. You're not a great mother. I put together a list of, I am compassionate, I am kind, I am so proud of you for getting to where you are today Mm -hmm. and overcoming so much. All these real things that I I did believe, but in the moment when I needed to remember it, I was forgetting that. I put a list together, and anytime I was going to beat myself up, I decided this isn't working for me, so I'm going to shift gears, and I'm going to speak to myself like this, and I would read the list daily. And you just carried it with you, or did you have it posted on your wall? So there's a couple different things. In those instances, because typically at work was a different situation, I did have a list that I kept with me at work, but that was about times that I had felt fear and overcame it and went through with the fear, and things worked out. Because that was my hold back at work was I was scared what, you know, what somebody else might think or I might look stupid or you know, whatever self-talk. Mm. At home for me, it was a different situation. So that was a piece of paper I kept at home. And that was more about me being a good person and a, a compassionate person and a loving person and a good mother. And so in different areas of my life, my confidence levels were different. And depending what was going on, I could address that in different ways. And through practice, I really developed that muscle. So another muscle
0: that you developed was teaching yourself to stop saying sorry all the time. This was huge to read in there because – and I'm sure to live because women do this constantly. I mean I caught myself doing it earlier. I was in a production session and uh, there was a train going by and I'm like, I'm so sorry. Could you just stop for the train? Why do I have to apologize? I'm not the conductor, you know? But and it diminishes your right. confidence.
1: It puts you beneath that person. You're subservient to them. I'm so sorry. Right. When like you don't I'm need to responsible be. for the train no. and I'm responsible for this pause. So
0: obviously it's something I need to break, and I was inspired by the fact that you did it. Could you share some of the
1: words that you replaced sorry with? Sure. So it's actually a blog post that I wrote about a year or two ago. I don't remember. Where can we find it? Oh, on my website, heathermonahan.com. Great. And when I wrote this post, it's so funny. I wrote about I, – I was at Barry's Boot Camp, and I had this really powerful realization that I – men would bump into me, and I'd say, I'm so sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> And I started thinking, I, I don't feel so good when I'm in this position. How can I change this? So I decided to give myself a one-week goal for one week. Anyone can do something for one week. I'm not going to say I'm sorry, no matter what. So when someone would bump into me, I would say, excuse me. And at first, it felt odd because I was so used to putting myself down and saying I'm sorry. But after a week, oh, heck no, I was not going back. I only said excuse me. At that point in time, I had put it on social media, what I was doing and how I felt this pivot. And a woman that I didn't know said, great idea, you're right on target, but take it up a notch and make it even better. And here's the example she gave me, and I do this all the time and I love it. Say you're walking in late to a meeting, and typically we would say, I'm so sorry, I'm late, you know, everyone, this is awful, and put ourselves down. Instead, you walk in and say, Thank you everyone for your patience. Let's begin. And it was so funny. I was on a plane today coming out to LA and I saw the woman at the gate saying, I'm so sorry about you having to wait so long. And I said to her, You could also just say, Thank you so much for your patience today. We appreciate it so much. And she smiled at me because it's so much more powerful. And, and I recommend positive. that to everyone. And then yes. it
0: makes the person on the other end feel better because like, oh, oh totally no problem. Exactly. Happy to help. Exactly. Yeah, you make them feel accomplished in a way. So, adversity. We're in section three now, for those of you following along at home. Leapfrogging villains. First of all, I love this phraseology. Leapfrogging villains. Because it just makes it seem like the villains are so trivial. I'm just going to jump over you. Um, but First of all, h- how do you do that how How do you leapfrog a villain? Because sometimes when they're right in front of you, you just feel like you're going to die, and it's so scary. So how do you how do you overcome? How do you jump over them? How do you slay the dragon?
1: So one of the things I learned, first of all, everyone has villains. It's not just you. It's not just me. And we're going to have more in our life. Right. right? The more that you put yourself out there and follow your dreams and step into your superpower, the more haters and villains will come for you. And that's great because it's showing that you're, you're actually making a difference and you're unique, which I think is really exciting. So it's something to be celebrated. However, we need to deal with these people. And oftentimes I'll hear from people, well... I'm not good with conflict. And that's a cop-out. So... When you think about these situations, you really need to get your mind right. So get rid of all cop-outs first and foremost. You're not good with conflict. I wasn't born good with it either, but you can teach yourself anything, and you can teach yourself this. So one of the examples I use in my book is when I was younger, I learned that if you are out running on your own and a Rottweiler, a dog, comes at you, you can't outrun the dog. Instead, you turn the tables and you run at the dog. It's showing dominance over an animal or a villain. And I remember I actually had that happen to me. A Rottweiler came at me. I did what I knew was the right thing to do instinctively, even though I was petrified. The dog backed down in the last minute and went home whimpering. And it was for one reason I showed dominance. And in that day, I learned a powerful example for me that I've pulled on for a long time. If you're in a situation with a villain in your life, Mm -hmm. a human being, not a dog. Human villain. Human villains. (laughs) You need to show dominance. I had always thought, turn the other cheek and, you know, things will get better. But what I learned in corporate America specifically, when you turn the other cheek, they grow in power. Yeah, and they slap it. And they keep, they just keep going and going and they get steam from that. They're Mm -hmm. excited you're not doing anything and they spread their negative messages and do whatever, you know, passive aggressive or aggressive moves they're gonna pull on you. So I learned, hey, this reminds me of the dog situation. I think this is a moment I need to show my dominance. And by saying, oh, I'm not someone good with conflict, throwing that out the window and saying, I'm gonna teach myself how to deal with it. Staying calm, removing emotion, practicing, but showing that no one is going to treat you poorly and that is not acceptable really horrifies villains because they're so used to being bullies to other people and getting away with it.
0: So it's not matching their energy because their energy is toxic. You're just coming at them with strong, streamlined energy that says, I will not allow myself to be treated this way and this is how
1: you will treat me exactly and this is unacceptable and when you do that in a very calm fashion you are showing so much respect for yourself it is so powerful and liberating and that other person is not used to having anyone say anything back they are shut down and i've seen this a few times in my career Ooh, i wish i could see it live in action right now shut
0: down the bully man gotta shut those bullies down you, okay, so we're going to get to shining a light on shame, because I think I misunderstood it before. So you, in this part of the book, talked about your DUI that you had mm-hmm. when you were, was it when you were working in Michigan? No, I was actually no? just arriving in Naples. Okay, so you were just arriving in Naples, it was before the days of Lyft and Uber, yes. and you were feeling very ashamed of it, and you told your boss what happened, and you had a great boss at that time, Right. I had a good relationship. A good with him. relationship yes. with him. So, and he in, encouraged you to not shy away from it, but to tell your employees the story. Yes. So what benefit do we gain when instead of like
1: hiding from our fear, we put it out, in, or not fear, from our shame, we put it out in the open? So the best example I can give is I was going on a business trip and I had not told people about this. And this was such a great reminder for me. I started Googling myself on the trip and searching for my mugshot because I was petrified that what if I was going to this high level meeting, I was the youngest person, I felt I had the most to prove. And I thought, oh, gosh, what if I get there and they all found out, you know, that I'm different than everybody else. And I put myself in the shame box. And I was so scared and researching and researching and going crazy. And ultimately, I got there and things were fine. But that tormenting issue for me never had really gone away, even though it had been years later from me getting that, you know, arrested. So when I wrote the book, I thought this is such an important thing for me to put in the book. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you how scary that was when I wrote about these really dark moments in my life. And my own fiance said, I will never understand why you're putting any of this out there. But I thought if I'm not real and transparent, then the book isn't really going to be me and it's not going to work. So I've got to put all of it out there. And I have to say it's been the most freeing experience because there's nothing for me to feel ashamed of any longer. I felt petrified doing it until it was out there. And I feel great about it now because the bottom line is everyone feels shame about something. Probably many things. I mean, I'm sure,
0: and things that we're not even aware of. I was just learning about the personal shadow. Have you ever heard of that? No. It's like the shameful parts of ourselves that we push down and that we're so disassociated from that it almost becomes this other person. It's your shadow. And, like, once you really embrace your shadow, you're really embracing your full identity. It's the mind-blowing stuff. There's a Goop podcast about it. Wow. Highly recommend. But that's what it reminded me of. And without even knowing what the shadow is, you basically – embraced your personal shadow and now you're living in full authenticity
1: it makes you feel so much more confident Mm -hmm. because previously when i was on that flight i wanted to hide i didn't want anyone to see who i really was with my experiences after putting this book out there everybody already knows it's like hey what's up i'm not hey you can google me all day long and have fun because you're going to see the same things i write about in the book and that feels so amazing right yeah it should Um, Fear This is a powerful Powerful motivator I think fear
0: is the root of all evil Really happy that you broached the topic In depth in the book There's so many different things We could go into here But something that I think So many intelligent people
1: And artistic people struggle with Is the fraud mindset Can you talk about how to get over that? So that's interesting. And I don't know that everyone knows about it, but the fraud mindset is really when you feel that you're in a position or in a situation and you're not deserving and you actually might be found out. Mm. And I felt like this before. So many of my friends have very accomplished people. And it's typically with women. I don't know if it happens very often with men, but I know more examples of women. I know having lived through it, it is total BS. So I even had the fraud mindset when I was launching the book. Because remember, I was great in sales. And I'm a great leader of of publicly traded companies. But I'm not an author. So I came to that crossroads where I said, wait a minute is this the fraud mindset? Can I challenge myself with this? Because I don't know that I really am an author and who am I kidding? And that those moments of fear and struggle they happened to me at Corporate America. They happened to me when I first got into sales. They've been happening my whole life. And like anything, when something's a pattern, it's easy to fall back into. Mm-hmm. So even going through this whole situation with me, you know, it rose up again. So that fraud mindset can literally cripple you and limit you from your future potential. And it's all about taking that step back. And for me, realizing that I saw so many other people Embrace the things I was hiding from. So, for example, in corporate America, some of my male employees would say, oh, my gosh, I have to leave early tonight. I'm coaching my son's soccer game. Mind you, I would be dodging and hiding that if my son had a game, I didn't want to go or I'd run to the car and take calls. I didn't want to get busted because what if I get found out that I'm not working enough? And what I found out was they positioned it differently. They said, it's so great. I'm learning so much about leadership and mentoring youth that I bring it right back to work the next day and elevate everyone. And I thought, well, brilliant. What are, I'm just going to start <laughs> doing the same. I'm going to take the same shtick to work. And learning by watching other people that didn't have that demon in their life, that hold back in their life – taught me how to position myself and then once you break through so for i started looking i I really believe in these anchors so the first time i pitched myself for a big advancement that equity uh, partnership i had i had the fraud mindset But it worked out killer. I had this huge success. Write that down. That's an anchor for you. Now, the next one was when I got up and gave a speech and I was scared and it went great and I didn't die. Okay, write that one. So you have to start breaking that pattern of everything is awful and happening to me and I'm not worthy and start creating, wow, I really can do this. I am worthy. I'm capable and I'm confident.
0: Are you there now where you won't go into the fraud mindset? Or do you still have those moments and you have to look at the anchors? Like, can we ever fully wring it out of our brain? Or is it kind of just like a little tick that's there for life?
1: I think that you can. I think with time and practice and experience, yes, you can. I'm close. I'm not there yet. Literally just the other day, it crept back into my mind where – With the book, you know, because it was such a big pivot for me to go from my old career and jump from that box and that lane to this new one and reinvent myself that I thought, well, I came out really good at first, but am I still doing well enough? And I heard myself doing it, and I started laughing. So it's still there. It's not gone. Right. But I was able to within, you know, a minute or two say, Heather, come on. Come on, girl. Yeah. Yeah. It's good that you can laugh at it, too. I was thinking about it, though, because
0: I've also, I've worked in radio as well, now I work in podcasting. And I think about that because you had so many, you must have had incredible and still have connections through that job that could help with this book so, so much. So a lot of times, I think especially when we have a fraud mindset or we don't feel worthy, We feel like we can't reach out to those connections to ask for what we want, especially if it's in a different way than what those people know us as. Did you deal with that at all? And if not, can you enlighten me how you, like, just went about making the shift and asking for
1: help? I definitely did not go back to any of my contacts at my old company. No. And you wouldn't. However... I went to contacts that I had at all the competing companies that I worked with because and what's been interesting is to see them rise up and support me so much oh. has been amazing. It's been shocking to me and unbelievable because here I was competing against them. They saw what happened. I took a step back. I you know reconfigured what I was doing and then I reached out and said, hey, I could really use your help and nine out of ten times they've just jumped in to help me.
0: That's so cool. And so I've always been told you because you're also, if we haven't made that clear, an incredible business coach. I mean, you you really help women and mentor women in business and how to be more assertive in business. So when you reach out to somebody for help, do you always have to give them a value proposition? Like if you do this,
1: this is what I can bring you. How do you approach it? That's an interesting question because I had something funny happen happened to me the other day. Someone DM'd me on social media and said, Heather, you talk a lot about asking for help. So here's me asking for help and poured out this letter of can you, you know, give me money? Can you do this? It was crazy. So it's a great point that you bring up. First of all, I think that you need to bring value wherever you go, right? You can't just be self-serving. If you're self-serving people aren't going to help you and that's just a reality. So it's just as important to be giving and helping others. and if you are that genuine person that I know I'm lucky I'm 43 years old. so I've got all this equity in business where I've helped so many people and done so much and continue to. but what I find is it's like a cycle the more you give the more that comes back and this is a great example a guy on linkedin reached out to me and said i'd love for you to be a contributing author to my book and i said well i'll make the time for it okay like give me the turnarounds i'll make it happen and i did it and i really didn't know him i knew him just you know surface And I helped him out. And this has now turned out to be, it's all professional athletes, CEOs of companies, and me. And so, and it happened right around, you know, it's happening next week and it's all around the time of the launch of my book and he's supporting me with, so it ended up being, yet again, when someone asks you for help and you give to them, it's almost – it always happens this way that if you're a giving person, people are going to give to you and, and you can give back to them. It's not a one-way street. Right. It's not just about saying, hey, can you do this you know, for me? I need it.
0: Right. I think the energy always has to balance out in a way. For sure. Yeah. That's a good point. Um, you talk a lot about taking action. Sometimes that first step is the hardest one to take because you don't know, like, how far is my foot from the ground? How am I going to, like, what am I going to do about the second step? You go 10 steps ahead. What is the best
1: way to just get yourself to sit down and do the damn thing? So, you need to create momentum in any situation. And that's in any day, you know, whether it's you've got a huge day ahead of you and you're dreading tackling anything, I always say, tackle the easiest first. And if that means, you know, sending out a couple of notices in the mail or emailing someone, whatever simple things you can do, that gets the ball rolling. It gets you checking things off the list and that gets you moving. And momentum is such a driving factor in action and success. It's huge. I mean, you. You have to take action so I really believe in starting off small and I call it baby steps that you know whether you're trying to learn how to own your voice in a meeting and you don't know how Challenging yourself to one comment a meeting and starting with that baby step and holding to that commitment you make yourself. And then watch how that one raising your hand one time in a meeting can now take you to a month later when you don't like your table at a restaurant, you walk over to the hostess and say, excuse me, that's not going to work. What else do you have available? And taking those little steps will take you to a place where you create it as it's ingrained in you, and now when something's happening and you need to speak up, you're totally comfortable doing it.
0: Right? Yeah, you have to start with small victories that build your confidence, That's right? For the bigger ones, exactly. that makes a lot of sense. Use the same technique. So I could literally talk. I had, I'm not kidding, four pages of questions to ask you. (laughs) We're running out of time. So I just kind of want to do some closing thoughts because, as I said, this book, Confidence Creator, it's incredible. There's so much content in here. It's also out on audiobook, which you narrate yourself. I listen to it. It's incredible to listen to when you're just out on a walk. I was doing the dishes and then going over to my computer and taking notes because you will want to take notes. Um, And I recommend having the book, too, so you can kind of cross-reference. But if you had like one singular takeaway that somebody could get from this book, what would you want it to be and why?
1: The one singular takeaway is that you can do. Anything that you put your mind to. That's the most important thing to me. It has not even been one year since I was fired. July 27th, I was fired. I wrote a book. I self-published a book, which I had no experience or, you know, why that wasn't my lane. I'm not supposed to do this. I broke through lanes. I built more confidence than I've ever had in my life, and I share every one of those flipping stories in that book so that anyone can have that roadmap to do the same for them. How did you go about self-publishing? Oh, it's a nightmare. Did it you is just a lot, lot of work. Did you just
0: Google or like, I, Right, Yeah, right. <laughs> I started with
1: – I Googled how do you write a book. That was the first – and I found the papers the other day and my son and I were cracking up about oh, it. Oh, that makes me want to cry. That's really beautiful. Well, because you're I, – I didn't know. Do you get a ghost writer? Do you – I don't know how this works. Right. And literally it said, just start writing. So take that first baby step and I just started writing. And I think too
0: something that I'm most inspired by is that rejection – by your story, is rejection is protection. You know, I mean, you are this powerhouse and you're working for all these companies and doing an amazing job for them, but they were holding you back from being your most sparkly, true version of yourself. And when you were released energetically from that kind of binding, you expanded and you're continuing to expand and help even more people. So if you're out there and you're feeling like, whatever you're in right now is saying no to you, maybe it means that you're meant for even bigger greatness. Absolutely. And the only person that
1: can hold you back from that is you.
0: Yeah. Heather, you're amazing. All right. Go get Confidence Creator. Uh, I got it on Audible for the audiobook. You can get this on Amazon, anywhere books are sold, heathermonahan.com. At Heather Monahan on Instagram, at underscore Heather Monahan on Twitter. Nice.
1: Anything else we want to talk about, Heather? No, but everyone can build confidence and I promise you it's the one thing that I hope everybody learns, whether from my book or elsewhere, but it's really, really important and it's the most important thing I've ever learned.
0: Mm. Are you heard it here first? Go build your confidence. You are enough. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. From executive producers Kevin Undergaro, Maria Menounos, and Jeffrey Masters, thanks for tuning in to Book Circle Online. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment. To suggest a book title or their author, you can tweet us at book Circle On. This is Book Circle Online. Thanks for tuning in.